you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up? What's up? What's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode 108108 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And as you know, I am part of the Big Night Media team with some fantastic podcasts like the Marky P Show, Eat the Damn Cake, Let's Get Rich Podcast, Those Girls You Know, Drinks After Work, and Burnt Toast with more podcasts on the way, I am sure. Now, the exciting part about heading over to bignight.com is the state of Massachusetts is lifting the curfew restrictions and now you can go out stay out a little bit later but don't be dumb be smart wash your hands social distance follow the protocols wear your mask and visit some fantastic restaurants like Scorpion Bar CBS Sporting Club Empire Mystique Red Lantern etc etc head over to bignight.com check out the food menus the drink menus make your reservations do it right now thanks so much now let's Let's talk about the Boston Celtics, because that's what we are here for. That is the Banner Banter Podcast. All right? So, Celtics, currently 9-6 and on the year, second place in the Atlantic Division behind the Philadelphia 76ers, and third overall in the East behind the 76ers and the Milwaukee Bucks. They obviously didn't have the greatest week, but they also didn't have Jason Tatum either. They got swept by the Philadelphia 76ers in their two-game miniseries, 117-109, and then 122-110. But they recovered. They played a lot better on Sunday night, a.k.a. last night at TD Garden, where they absolutely beat the living crap out of the Philadelphia, uh, not the Philadelphia 76ers. They beat the Cleveland Cavaliers, 141 to 103. My apologies there. So obviously losing two games stinks, but then coming back and having a nice win against a team going into the game that was ranked, rated statistically analytics whatever you want to call it the second best defense in the nba and you come out and you drop 141 points very very impressive so let's get right into it and recap this philadelphia 76ers miniseries obviously no jason tatum so in game one the starting lineup was grant jalen brown kimball walker tristan thompson and marcus smart now the 76ers missed their first four shots of this game, and the Celtics made their first four threes of the game. So obviously you're feeling good, you're feeling delightful, you're like, okay, we don't even have Tatum, and we're going to easily beat these guys. They built a nice eight-point lead, and then they let the 76ers go on a 17-2 run. Classic, right? We talked about it last week. Um, it was literally the dud of the week. The Celtics not being able to expand their leads, control their leads, and hold their leads. And a perfect example here built up an 8-point lead, and let the 76ers go on a 17-2 uh, run. Now, thankfully, again, for the probably 1 millionth time this year, Jalen Brown scoring kept them in it because Marcus Smart couldn't hit a shot for the life of him. Now, obviously, in the second half, Marcus Smart did play a lot better. He finished with, I think, 23 points overall, but to start the game, Marcus Smart was awful. Now, 
I did not like how Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid had their way. Clearly the best two scorers. Embiid was hitting that straightaway three-pointer like it was nothing. The Celt- I feel like either the Celtics were okay with him hitting those three-pointers and didn't want him to get in the paint, which is completely understandable. But at the same time, Tristan Thompson needed to come out a little bit more, put his hand up, play some better defense on him overall. Usually Tristan Thompson can defend Joel Embiid a little bit better, but in this scenario, not so much. And then Shake Milton came off the bench, and he started going, and once he starts going, he's a problem for all NBA teams this year. He should be in the discussion for sixth man of the year without a shadow of a doubt. Dwight Howard also came in, made Daniel Tice literally look like he was a weakling. Like, he made him look real small in that first half. He was so much more physical than Daniel Tice. And Daniel Tice, I feel like, is a physical player. I know he has the absolute worst luck in the world with foul calls and randomly getting hit in the face. I mean, there was even a point of the game where Daniel Tice got hit in the face while Marcus Smart was complaining about a foul call. Like, that's the bad luck that Daniel Tice has. So going into the third quarter, you're feeling a little little bit better. They, both teams went back and forth. The Celtics weren't allowing runs, so you feel like they were finally playing a good third quarter for once. Marcus Smart took control of the offense, which was terrifying, but it worked. Um, the thing that I didn't like was Grant Williams picked up his foul, uh, his fifth foul midway through that third quarter, and Javante Green came in, and he actually played really well. And it made me think, because Javante Green did get a nice steal and throw down a sick dunk. Who's the better dunker, Javante Green or Jeff Green? Now, Why am I talking about Jeff Green? I don't know, because Jeff Green used to play for the Celtics, and Jeff Green used to have some sick dunks. If you don't believe me, go to YouTube and probably search Boston Celtics Jeff Green dunks, and I'm sure someone made a highlight reel of them. And Javante Green is a freak of an athlete, folks. And I I know I say that every week, but Javante Green has really impressed me this year. I think he's doing a lot better. He's improved a lot. Now, am I saying that he should be in the rotation every night? I don't know. Is he going to help them in the playoffs? I don't know. But he has improved, and it's nice to see that they can develop some people because Grant Williams and Aaron Neesmith and Romeo Langford and Carson Edwards, they're not fully developed yet when I don't want to say that they should be, but they should be a lot better than they are. Now, back to Jalen Brown because we're we're going to talk about Jalen Brown a lot because Jalen Brown has played so good this year. Jalen Brown's offense kept them in this game, and he can score from anywhere. The, the way he can shoot now with a defender in his face, uh, I could talk about it all day. It, I, I really could. He It doesn't matter. Elbow, three-point line, wh- wherever, off, you know, he catches the ball off of a screen, pick and roll, whatever the case may be, he can shoot a lot better. I mean, he even put Ben Simmons, like, in a spin cycle, on the post, an elbow, even did a little, you know, pushing of the hands down to the floor saying, hey, this dude's small which is awesome to see. Jalen's confidence has been fantastic this year, and I really hope it can it can continue. But this was needed because Kemba, his minute restriction is going to be a little bit weird, and we all have to be patient with it. And you can argue that maybe Brad didn't handle it the best way because Kemba in the first game hit, I believe, four three-pointers in the first half, and I believe three of them were in the second quarter, or might have been four were in the second quarter, and he hit five overall in the first half, but Brad didn't start Kemba in the second half. He only let him come in with 90 seconds left to go in the third quarter. Now, I can understand where Brad Stevens coming from. You want Kemba to play late, just in case this this game does come down to 
both teams going back and forth with two minutes to go. So I get that. But I feel like it kind of got Kemba out of his rhythm, which didn't help. I mean, Daniel Tice was also very good on on the offensive end as well in the third quarter, but I feel like it was almost too little too late to bring Kemba in. But with the minute restriction, it is what it is. What it is. So ending the third quarter, Celtics are now up six. Simmons has five fouls because Simmons picked up back-to-back offensive fouls. Great job by Shemi Ojale stepping in and picking up that offensive foul, uh, I believe, on the second one. So you're up six. Simmons got his fifth foul. You're feeling really good. And then they just started crumbling. The defensive rotations were not there. Jalen Brown started going cold. Kemba couldn't hit a shot. The Celtics literally, the way that the Celtics played defense to start that fourth quarter reminded me of the first couple games of the season where they just couldn't rotate in time. The communication wasn't there. They let a lot of guys have open shots and it was an absolute bummer. So the 76ers take a lead with the like eight minutes left. They go back and forth. Celtics take the lead with like five to go. And then Joel Embiid takes a million free throws. Celtics are down four with three to go. And then that was that. Now, obviously, Joel Embiid took 21 free throws in this game compared to the Celtics' 20. And if you want to be mad at the officials for that, fine. Okay, I get it. But at this, I'm not a big fan of blaming the officials unless it's obvious. But Joel Embiid's a physical player. Joel Embiid owns the Celtics. And the Celtics have to be prepared and play better defense against him in the post to make sure he doesn't get to the free throw line 21 times because he's actually a pretty good free throw shooter for a big guy as well. So a big disappointment in this first game. But to lose only to only lose by eight against the Philadelphia 76ers without Jason Tatum is obviously positive because if is Tobias Harris going to go out and drop 20 points? Probably not if Jason Tatum's defending him, but he did it because Grant Williams was defending him. So you're hoping Brad would make some changes defensively. I don't want to say to the lineup because, you know, you really don't have a lot of other options out there to defend a a stretch four like Tobias Harris on the team. Obviously, if you had Jalen, you could do that. But with Grant Williams, it's iffy. So game two, here we go. Can the Celtics control Joel Embiid? And well, no, no, they, they couldn't. 38 points, 11 of 15 from the field, and now went to the free throw line 15 times. So I guess you could say, oh, well, that's an improvement. He only went to the line 15 times versus 21 times. But Thompson can't defend him. Time Lord can't defend him. Tice can't defend him. Grant can't defend him. He owns the Celtics right now. He has owned the Celtics ever since Al Horford left. And that is um, a little disappointing to say the least. But here we are. It is what it is. And hopefully... They can figure out something to do down the road. Now, I know a lot of people are saying bring in Andre Drummond, but Joel Embiid also owns Andre Drummond as well. And we'll talk about Andre Drummond in a bit when we recap the Cavs game from last night. So my big issue going into this entire series that I mentioned in episode of 107 of the Banner Branch podcast was Grant Williams cannot defend Tobias Harris. You you know, you could put Jalen on Simmons, Kemba on Seth Curry, who played in the second game but not in the first game. Marcus on Danny Green, Mattis Theibel, Maxi, who whoever. But Grant Williams cannot defend Tobias Harris in a show. Tobias Harris in these two games combined for 45 points and shot 67% from the field. Tobias Harris can run around, go off a screen, catch and shoot. Grant Williams can't keep up with him. Grant Williams can defend someone like Bam Adebayo. I'm not saying lock him down, but he can defend him because Bam Adebayo isn't coming off of screens. He likes to play physical. Grant likes to play physical. So 
I, now, am I saying Javante Green should have been out there? No, but I really think Shemi Ojale, not saying he could have done a much better job, but I think he could have done a better job than Grant Williams defending Tobias Harris. I think Shemi Ojale has deserved his minutes this year. I thought he has played, or he has played a lot better, and I feel like Brad not playing him as much as he should lately has kind of killed his confidence a little bit, but hopefully Shemi is a true professional like he is and will be ready to go at any time. So I can understand why Brad did it, but I just don't think it worked. With Steph Curry being back in for the second game, it obviously made a very big difference. He he hit a lot of shots. Thankfully, Jalen Brown again was able to match it, but the 76ers hit their first eight shots. Danny Green was hitting shots. Joel Embiid was hitting shots. Tobias Harris was hitting shots. Seth Curry was hitting shots. I thought it was going to be an absolute, you know, just shit show. Just the the first like three or four minutes of the game, I was like, this is not going to be good at all. But luckily, the Celtics got Joel Embiid to pick up two fouls early, which was great. And I will say this. The Celtics in these two games in this miniseries did take full advantage of when Joel Embiid was not on the floor. So they did exactly what they were supposed to do. But Brad tried the Daniel Tice-Tristan Thompson matchup after Grant didn't play that well, and it just didn't work versus the 76ers. But the thing that I did enjoy was the Celtics did force six turnovers, and it led to eight Celtics points, and they didn't turn it over, they being the Celtics. So that was a good sign to see that they the defense forced turnovers, they can score off of it, but they also took care of the basketball again. So obviously there is some positives out of this two-game series. The thing that sucked was Peyton Pritchard. He got hurt. He now has a sprained MCL. He'll be out for two weeks. This is a major impact for the bench. It really is. This is going to hurt the bench. Peyton Pritchard has been the heart and soul of the bench so far. We're going to see a lot more Jeff Teague. I know not a lot of people like that. Jeff Teague's scoring ability has definitely gone down a little bit. He started off the year very well, but it's gone down a little bit, and I'm, I'm not surprised by it, but Jeff Teague's defense has been very impressive so far, so you know, are we going to get the same type of energy from Jeff Teague as we did Peyton Pritchard? Absolutely not. Are we are we going to see some more Carson Edwards minutes? Maybe. I think it's going to depend on the matchup and what's going on, but we could see some Carson Edwards minutes, could see some Trey Montwater minutes as well. But I think for these next two weeks, if the Celtics can survive and if the Celtics can get him back before that road trip, because they have a big road trip coming up, not this week, but the following week, if they can get him back maybe a game or two in, they, they should be good, but Peyton Pritchard will be out at least two weeks. Hopefully he can recover quickly. He's young, he's tough, he's gritty. So that obviously was a huge loss for the Celtics. And he, I mean, because I mentioned it last week as well, and I know I keep mentioning last week's podcast, so I apologize, but like, he, where would the Celtics be right now without Peyton Pritchard? He's been vital to this team's successful so far for their nine wins. He's been a big part of almost every single one of them, if not every single one of them. So... That was a bummer. But going into this game, I just wanted the Celtics to compete well. If they lose, they lose. They didn't have Tatum, you know, arguably one of the top, you know, 10 and 12 best players in the league. Jalen Brown was has been absolutely ridiculous so far. And to, to start the third quarter, the Celtics, you know, were hanging in there. To start the third quarter, the 76ers hit back-to-back threes. And then right then and there, I knew it was over because then they went on a 17-4 to run. The Celtics kind of creeped back a little bit. They were down like a possession. I, I think they were down three or four points. So yeah, it was like a one-possession game, and then they allowed the 76ers to go on a 10-0 run in 90 seconds. 
10-0 run in 90 seconds. Awful. And it didn't help that Marcus Smart had a lot of dumb, stupid turnovers late. And Marcus Smart's flopping, it's killing me. I absolutely hate it. I I don't understand it. I Every single time he goes to the free throw line, or thinks he should go to the free throw line, he drives and, yeah, and just yells. And it's the most annoying thing to watch. He literally, I'm, I, I tweeted it out the other day, but I'm pretty sure if Marcus Smart locked his keys in his car, he would blame the officials, even though he's the one that locked his keys in his own car. I can't stand it anymore. Marcus Smart had a hell of a bubble. He really did. Sure, there were a couple of games where you're like, oh my God, dude, what are you doing? But for the most part, 95% of the time, Marcus Smart was fantastic in the bubble. I had some high expectations for Marcus Smart this year, knowing the little locker room incident, maybe Gordon Hayward leaving with Jalen Brown growing as a player, with Jason Tatum growing as a player, Kemba coming back. It would really help him mentally, physically, you name it. But this dude is driving me bananas. I cannot take the flopping anymore. I can take the flopping on defense to try and sell it, to try and pick up an offensive foul on the other team. I'm fine with it. But to drive to the rim every single time, pretend you get bumped, and then jack it up, I hate it. I can't stand it anymore, and it has to stop. I will, I, I will literally give Marcus Smart $100 in cash and then take him out to a nice dinner if he can go through one game on the offensive end without flopping or looking for a call. Just go up, dude. Because the other thing is, the officials know. They're like, okay, here goes Marcus Smart. Watch this flop. Yep, no, he flopped again. They're never going to call anything on him. And it's just absolutely, positively pissing me off. I can't stand it. I love Marcus. I love everything that he brings to the table. But this flopping thing has to go. For the love of God, please. It has to go. So, even though that really pissed me off, and you thought maybe it was the dud of the week... I actually have a different dud of the week and a stud of the week as well. So let's do stud and dud of the week right now. Hit the music. And now it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, so your stud and dud of the week on episode 108 of the Banner Banter Podcast. The stud of the week is Jalen Brown. If you thought it was going to be anyone else, I mean, I'll be honest, you're an idiot. He was ridiculous this week and literally the best. He's been the best Celtics player all year. He's been better than Jason Tatum all year. Sure, Jason Tatum has definitely shown some flashes of, okay, this guy's going to be a top 10 guy in the league. I get it. But right now, Jalen Brown is better than Jason Tatum. I don't care that Jason Tatum missed a couple games. If you Even before this week started, Jalen Brown has been a better player than Jason Tatum this year. He's been lights out. He's, and the best part about it, he took advantage of Jason Tatum being out. He combined for 68 points versus the 76ers. He dropped 33 points in 19 minutes versus the Cavs last night. 33 points in 19 minutes. You ready for this? That is the most amount of points scored playing 20 minutes or less in the history of the NBA. The history of the NBA. I'll say that again. The history of the NBA. No one has 
played in less minutes and scored that many points. Bravo to you, Jalen Brown, stud of the week. He shot over 50% in two out of the three games this week, and the other one was 41%. His confidence is sky high. Now, this is something that may be too... This may be too hot of a take for you, but with the wind chill over the weekend, hopefully this will warm you up. I want what Jalen Brown is doing right now to piss Jason Tatum off. I want Jason Tatum to go, holy shit, Jalen Brown is now the best player on the Celtics. I'm not saying overall. I'm just saying, as of late, Jalen Brown is the best player on the Boston Celtics, and I want this to piss Jalen, uh, Jason Tatum off. I don't want him to take away shots from Jalen. I don't want him to take the ball away from Jalen, but I want him to realize if he can compete at the same level that Jalen Brown has been competing at right now, him and Jalen Brown can take this team a very, very long way for a very, very long time together. You can trust Jalen Brown if you're doubled Jason Tatum. You can trust him. If a team tries to trap you, Jalen Brown will be there for you. Just like the Friends theme song, I'll be there for you. That's Jalen Brown. If Jason Tatum can go, no, 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 I'm the best player, and the two of them can almost kind of compete against each other and drive each other and motivate each other, <laughs> I'm going to be very excited. I'm going to be very, very, very excited. Great success. That's what I'm going to need. So I hope this ridiculous play of Jalen Brown is motivating Jason Tatum to want to be a better player than Jalen Brown because if the two of them can compete at this level, the Celtics can go a long way for a long, long time. All right? Now, the dud of the week, it was going to be between Grant Williams and Marcus Smart, but Marcus Smart played well enough against the Cavs and well enough in Game 1 of the 76ers series to get a pass. So congratulations, Marcus. You got a pass, but stop flopping. Please, just stop freaking flopping. So the dud of the week is Grant Williams. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. What did the Celtics see in Grant Williams. Now, Grant Williams has shown some flashes. I'm not I'm not going to be like this was a complete waste of a pick, okay? Grant Williams has shown some flashes. His defense against Bam Adebayo in the Miami's when when the Celtics played Miami, sorry, I'm literally becoming a stuttering Stanley because I can feel the anger going through my loins about Grant Williams. Grant Williams shows some flashes. His three-point shooting has improved. Very nice to see. His defense against Bam Adebayo, very good. His positivity on the bench. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm digging for things here, folks. Uh, how vocal he is on the bench. It, it It's very great to see. But I just don't see overall what the Celtics saw in him. I really don't. He's an older guy. He played four years in college. And I know that sounds ridiculous. It obviously worked out for Peyton Pritchard. And it has worked for a lot of guys in the NBA right now. You know, you look at Draymond Green, four-year guy. He's doing perfectly fine. But I don't, if they were trying to make Grant Williams a Draymond Green type guy, an undersized big guy, I don't get it. And it this has nothing to do with Brandon Clark because it Brandon Clark's a much better player. If you want to compare seasons so far, Grant Williams is aver, averaging four points and four rebounds. Brandon Clark's averaging 13 points and 6 rebounds. This has nothing to do with it. But he's just not great right now. And I don't know if the Celtics can't develop, but at the same time, I look at Jason Tatum, I look at Jalen Brown, I look at Marcus Smart. Those three guys are developing well. I mean, hell, you can even look at Taco. Taco's developing well. 
So it's it's tough to say that, but like Grant has to play better. He's not consistent enough. I mean, he didn't even play in the first half against the Cleveland Cavaliers. So how is how is he going to respond to that down the road? Grant Williams has to be better for this bench. The the rotation this year going into the season, not even including Peyton Pritchard, let's say, it was going to be Teague, the Time Lord, and Grant Williams. And luckily Peyton Pritchard has been playing well. Like that was going to be the squad and then Dan, you know, Daniel Tice too. Or Tristan Thompson, whatever the case may be. That was going to be the squad. Time Lord, Thompson, Grant, Jeff Teague. That was going to be it. And Grant Williams is not playing up to that level. Now, not a lot of people were expecting much from Jeff Teague, but Grant Williams has to play better. He really does. It's going to drive me nuts if he doesn't. But speaking of people that did play better, the Boston Celtics this past Sunday, a.k.a. yesterday, I should say, not this past Sunday. Well, I guess I could say this past Sunday as well, but 141 to 103, 141 points scored by the Boston Celtics without Jason Tatum. Very impressive. And a very strong start. They came back with the big lineup. It was Tata, uh, It was Kemba, it was Jalen, it was Marcus, it was Daniel, it was Tristan as a starting lineup. And they started off so well. J.B. Bickerstaff, the guy who coaches the Cleveland Cavaliers, subbed his starting five line out within the first three minutes of the game. Can you believe that? The starting lineup of the Cavs, all five of them got subbed out like it was a rec league game when you're you know, in fourth grade, three minutes into the game. And the Cavs came into this game as the number two defense in the league and the Celtics dropped 73 points on them in the first half. 73 points. 38 in the first quarter. Crap, somebody sexy tell them, hey, you love to see it. The Celtics needed to control the boards early, especially with Andre Drummond, who has been one of the better big men in the league, obviously behind uh, the Joker and Joel Embiid and Anthony Davis, of course. But Andre Drummond's right there. He's been dominating. He had 33-23 and 23 the other night, or last week, I should say. But Tristan Thompson played better than Andre Drummond did. Now, you could say Andre Drummond had an off night, but to start the game, Tristan Thompson, I don't want to call it a revenge game against the Cavs because, you know, they just didn't re-sign him, and I'm sure he's much happier being in Boston than he is in Cleveland, comparing on how good the teams are. But Andre Drummond, it's 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 weird. I have a I have this, like, weird love-hate relationship towards Andre Drummond, and maybe hate's a strong word, but what I mean hate by hate, I think is I hate the fix or the mix that the Celtics and Andre Drummond would be like Andre Drummond on this team in the starting lineup with Tatum and Brown and Kemba and Marcus would be ridiculous. It's just, he stinks on defense and sometimes he just doesn't give it his all. Now, would he give it his all in Boston? Sure. But he only has one year left on his deal. Is that worth trading the TPE and a couple other players to make the money work? I don't know. Maybe. Can he help? Absolutely. It'd be, it would be. It would literally be stupid to say that he wouldn't help because he's better than Daniel Tyson. He's better than Tristan Thompson. He's better than the Time Lord. But I don't know. I mean, he's very, very good. But the first half, minus maybe about two or three minutes, because there was two or three minutes in this game, Andre Drummond, I think, scored like six points in the row for the Cavs. But overall, Tristan Thompson was more physical, had more energy, and you could argue maybe outplayed Andre Drummond. So props to Tristan Thompson there. Marcus, he had a terrific first half. 10 points, 4 assists. Kemba did as well. Kemba was very aggressive to start. Easily one of the best quarters of the season from from everyone. That first quarter was ridiculous. Everyone looked phenomenal. I'm, I'm not even mad. That's amazing. 
the Celtics got a lot of their points off of attacking the baseline. And I know that sounds weird, but it worked. Now, when the Celtics do attack the baseline, a couple things can happen. Guys from up top, whether they're above the three-point line, at the elbow, they can cut to the middle of the floor. Because what happens is you're never supposed to give up the baseline. So if a player defensively does give up the baseline, everyone else crashes towards that player, which means backdoor cuts are available. And if people are attacking from the weak side, you can dish it out into the corner for wide open three, and the Celtics got a lot of their points that way. Daniel Tice got it a couple times. Now, Daniel Tice tried to attack the baseline one time off the dribble, and that just didn't work. It was brutal. Never do that again. But Brad did play a lot of the guys very early, like Aaron Neesmith, Carson Edwards. Carson Edwards looked okay, but let's not overreact, people, okay? He had a very nice second half and a blowout game. Let's not think he's going to fulfill Peyton Pritchard's minutes. He's a very streaky shooter. Obviously, when he sees the first one go, go in, that's a very, very good sign. But if he sees the first two... Don't go in. You're in for a long night with Carson Edwards. Aaron Neesmith hit a nice three-pointer earlier. He also had a nice assist for Shemi Ojale for a three-pointer as well. He's still miles and miles away. He also had a very nice second half, but I feel like this this game, even though he was playing the bench guys in a blowout game, he looked much more comfortable out there. So, again, baby steps with Aaron Neesmith. It's going to get there. But going up 22 into the second half, and the Celtics didn't give up a lead. They really didn't. They expanded it. The Cavs played hard all game, so props to them. They they could have been blowing up, but Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, all those guys, they played very, very hard, so tip of the cap to them. But the best part was the Celtics kept playing hard too. Finally, finally. The, the Celtics played hard for a full 48 minutes, and guess what? They kept the lead, and they won by 38 points. I didn't like how the Celtics only had one turnover in the first quarter and then had a total of 15 for the rest of the game, which means they averaged about five turnovers per quarter, which is like a turnover basically every 90 seconds. I don't like that at all in any way, shape, or form. That is a huge yikes. Jalen Brown, like I mentioned earlier, 33 points in 19 minutes. Almost 20, but for the most part, 19 minutes. Absolutely ridiculous. So just a quick recap of that Cavs game because it was a blowout from start to finish. A lot of good things. So, let's talk about the week ahead for the Boston Celtics. Celtics play three games this week, and I cannot express to you how important the games are this week, but more importantly, the following week as well. These next two weeks for the Celtics are very, very important. Obviously, I'll give a preview of all the games next week on episode 109. Thanks so much for listening. But today is January 25th. Starting today, the Celtics play their next seven out of eight games on the road. That is not great, Bob. Especially with the COVID stuff going on, that's not going to be ideal. And they start tonight on the second night of a back-to-back in Chicago versus the Bulls. That game is at 9 p.m. Then on Wednesday, they go to San Antonio. Again, another game on the road. And that game starts at 8.30. And then they come home to play the Los Angeles Lakers on Saturday on ABC. The first ABC Saturday night primetime game of the NBA season at 8.30. So 9 p.m. tonight against the Bulls. Wednesday at 8.30 against the Spurs, and then Saturday 8.30 against the Los Angeles Lakers. So this Lakers game is literally their only game at home for the next eight games. It's pretty crazy. So let's break this all down right now. First, we'll start with the Chicago Bulls game. The Celtics and the Bulls were supposed to play on January 12th, but it got postponed due to COVID, the contact tracing, all that other stuff. <sighs> I'm, I'm, I, I got to say something just right now. 
I don't want to preview this week at all because um, this will be the first time in 15 years I won't be attending a Celtics-Lakers game at TD Garden, and I feel very uncomfortable. I am very angry. I am heartbroken. There is nothing I enjoy more. I get like five or six days a year. My birthday, Marathon Monday, 4th of July, my dad's anniversary, Celtics opening night, and whenever the Lakers come to town. I hate the Lakers. I hate the Lakers more than anything in the world. I mean, obviously, that's a stretch, but, you know, like racism. I hate racism. I hate people that are rude. I hate people that also say, like, oh, my God, that's so funny, without laughing. I hate those things. All those things suck. But when it comes to sports and the world of sports, there's nothing I hate more than the Los Angeles Lakers. I hate them. And it has nothing to do with LeBron, folks, who's currently your league MVP. I know you don't want to hear that. But I hate the Lakers. And the fact that I can't boo them for the first time in 15 years face-to-face, that sucks. I don't like it. But back to the Bulls game. Sorry, I just had to get that off my chest. Bulls game tonight, 9 p.m. in Chicago. They were supposed to play on January 12th, got postponed due to COVID, all the protocols, Celtics didn't have enough players, blah, blah, blah. Brad Stevens, after the Cavs game last night, said that Kemba Walker will not be playing, and I don't think he'll be playing in back-to-backs going forward, which is fine by me, because we have the return of Jason Tatum. So that's good to see. The Celtics need to focus on one guy tonight, and that's Zach Levine. Zach Levine, who's on my fantasy basketball team, has been playing incredible. Lights out, unreal. You could argue he's an Eastern Conference All-Star. I'm, I'm being dead serious. He's been incredible this year. They have a new coach, Billy Donovan, who did coach for the Thunder many, many for many, many years. Kobe White, second-year player. He's averaging 5 or 6, 16 points a game. Good little point guard. Hopefully Marcus Smart can defend him well. My worry is Wendell Carter. He's a Duke University guy. He can rebound the ball very well. And with the lack of size that the Celtics have right now, with the time wood being restricted, Daniel Tice maybe not starting right away, he's a big-time energy guy, kind of like Julius Randle was. I'm not comparing him to Julius Randle, but he's the type of guy that the Celtics usually have issues with, whether it was last season, this season, just those athletic 6'9", 6'10", guys that just love rebounding the basketball. So they'll have a little bit of issues with Wendell Carter for sure. They also have Laurie Markkinen. He's a third-year player, fourth-year player, and rookie Patrick Williams both of them are good young players, and they have two veteran guys off the bench. I Much better than Jeff Teague, Otto Porter Jr., Garrett Temple. Those guys can st- score off the bench. It's good that Billy Donovan trusts his young guys to come out on the floor, and then if things aren't working that well, they can bring in Otto Porter Jr. and Garrett Temple. So shout out to Billy Donovan there. But the Bulls score the fourth most points in the NBA. This team can score the basketball, thanks to Zach Levine but they also give the third most points per game. So their offense is good, and their defense sucks. So guess what? You play some defense tonight, and good defense leads to good offense, and you can get yourself a W, get yourself to 10-6, and six, two games in a row, feeling good heading into San Antonio on Wednesday night at 8.30. Numbers, for the most part, between the Spurs and the Celtics, both teams are in the middle of the road, defensively, offensively, whatever the case may be. But the Philadelphia 76ers... Um, 
I don't know why I keep saying the Philadelphia 76ers, so I'm sorry, but I just don't like the Philadelphia 76ers, and I'm pissed the Celtics lost both games with them. I felt like they still could have won one game without Jason Tatum, and that's that. So back to what I was going to say, but the San Antonio Spurs are bottom 10 in the league in field goal percentage, and the Celtics beat them twice last year. I don't know if you guys remember this, but last time the San Antonio Spurs and the Boston Celtics played in San Antonio, that was the game that Gordon Hayward broke his wrist. But imagine this stat line, okay? Tatum drops 19. Jalen drops 30, Marcus drops 16, Time Lord drops 11. Now, Kemba also played in this game and dropped 26. But if you can get maybe 25 from Tatum, 30 from Jalen, 16 from Marcus, a dozen from the Time Lord, maybe a combined 15 points from Tyson, Tristan Thompson, you're going to win yourself a basketball game again, and now you could be at three games in a row. You'll love to see it. You have to play as a team because Greg Popovich's teams, they play as teams. DeMar DeRozan, he's their leading scorer. He's still got it. He can score from the elbow. Jalen has to defend him very well. And then they then they have six guys, the other six guys on their team, that all average double figures every game. Devante, uh, DeJounte Murray, Keldon Johnson are the future of this team. Murray has been f- fantastic this year. He's also on my fantasy team. And Keldon Johnson, the small forward from, from Kentucky, he's also very good as well. Then they have the old school guys, LaMarcus Aldridge, Rudy Gay, who are veterans. I wouldn't be surprised if the Spurs aren't in playoff mode or they're not going to make the playoffs if they trade LaMarcus Aldridge and want to get rid of him. Is LaMarcus Aldridge a nice guy to have off the bench for the Celtics down in the playoffs where you can use your TPE? I don't know. Maybe we can talk about it, but I cannot talk about Coach Pop enough. One of the best coaches, if not the best coach in the NBA, but... Brad Stevens has coached well against him. This is a winnable game. Good ball movement, good defense, and you rebound the basketball. But more importantly, the bench has to play well, and you get yourself a W. 1,000%. Kemba will be back for this game, so that will be great. I know I mentioned earlier that Kemba might not be back, but he should be back depending on how his knee is, and that will be very, very good. So if Kemba comes back, you... It, this game could be the first game where you have Kemba, Marcus, Jalen, Jason, and either Tice or Thompson starting, and that's great to see. That will be great for this team. So, finally, the Lakers game. I hate the Lakers. I hate the Lakers so much. LeBron James is currently your MVP, like I said a couple minutes ago, and the Lakers, you could argue, look better this year than they did last year. I mean, adding Marcus Gasol, Harrell, Schroeder, they've all contributed very nice for this team. They really have. Last year, the Celtics played this Lakers team very, very well, obviously, especially at the Garden. They blew them out 139-107, to 107, and then they lost to the Lakers in L.A. by two last year. You know, LeBron hit that uh, elbow jumper, like the fadeaway elbow jumper off of one leg over Jalen Brown with like 20 seconds to go. Obviously crushed me because I hate the Lakers. But Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to have to go off. They're going to have to try and limit Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis hasn't played that well as of late. Obviously, he went off in Chicago the other night, but before that, for two or three games, he wasn't playing that great. So hopefully that can continue for Anthony Davis. Um, but you can't let KCP and Kuzma hit shots early. Those are guys that if they see the ball go in, just like Carson Edwards, they get a lot of confidence. Dennis Schroeder is a very tough defender, but Kemba needs... This is one of those games where we've seen Kemba. He's been aggressive. His explosiveness looks there. My whole thing is I'm... I need to see how Kemba is like February 10th. I really need to see a month in how that knee is going, how he's acting, how it's 
how it's treating him overall, the stem cell injection, whatever the case may be. So I need to see how Kemba is in February. But for right now, if Kemba wants to have one of the nights where he goes absolutely off, this is it. This is the game. If Jalen can go off, Jason can go off, and Kemba can go off, you can beat the Lakers. It's going to be tough. The Lakers have a top five defense in the league so far this year. But if all these guys can drop like 20 to 25 points each and the rest of the team shows up, you're looking good. But you got to play defense. And you can't allow second chance points. You cannot allow second chance points. I'd love for that to happen if the Celtics don't allow second chance points against this team. We all know LeBron's going to get his. LeBron hates the Celtics. I love it. He always will. I love that. AD's going to get his. But because I, I don't think anyone can really stop AD. I mean, maybe Tatum can try. But I don't want Jason Tatum getting the foul trouble because that will suck. Tice, maybe. Tristan Thompson definitely can't. But if they can rebound the ball well and communicate on defense because LeBron's obviously one of the greatest passers of all time and he can find the open shooter anywhere on the court. So if you can defend well, rebound the basketball well, and score at will, you can beat the Lakers. It's going to be tough, but you can do it. So that's it. Episode 108 of the Banner Banter Podcast is in the books. Thanks so much for listening as always. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And one quick announcement. I am inching closer and closer to 10,000 listens of the Banner Banter Podcast. Thank you all so much for your support. Because of that, if you take a picture of you listening to the Banner Banter Podcast, whether it's a screenshot of your phone, on your radio player, your CD player, your car stereo whatever the, your laptop, what iPad, whatever the case may be, take a picture, take a screenshot, tag Banner Banter Podcast on social media. If you do it, I will send you a limited edition Banner Banter Podcast 10,000 listens basketball card. I know, oh my God, best news ever. I get it. I appreciate it. I respect it. But go check it out. Listen, like, subscribe, leave a rating, whatever the case may be. Take a photo. I'll send you a basketball card. Maybe I'll sign it for you. Who knows? I've never signed anything before in my life, minus a check. That's that. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk soon. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Black Lives Matter. Social distance. Be nice to others. And have a great day. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.